millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. My daughter and I are here for a special announcement, which is that Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books was just nominated for a Webby Award in the Arts and Culture category for podcasts. So please, please vote by April 18th so that I can win the People's Choice component of this award. And now my daughter has a little something to say. Hi. I love my mom so much, and she's been working really hard for this podcast to be on Instagram. <laughs> and I also want you to know that I love her, so please, please, please vote for Zibby. Oh, that's right. This is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, and I love my mom so much. Please vote for Zibby Owens' Webby Awards. The website is vote.webbyawards.com. Today's episode has been sponsored by Serial Box. Serial Box delivers addictive book content in short listen or read installments designed to fit into today's fast-paced mobile lifestyle. Switch between listening and reading with a single click, picking up right where you left off. Learn more at SerialBox.com, S-E-R-I-A-L-B-O-X.com. I am so excited to be talking to Chris Van Dusen today. Chris Van Dusen is an amazing children's book author and illustrator, someone who I've been reading since my my big kids were born. So it's been almost 12 years, and now my little kids love all of his work. Anyway, I'm very excited. A native of Maine, Chris has written and illustrated many books, including Down to the Sea with Mr. McGee, his first book, then A Camping Spree with Mr. McGee, and Learning to Ski with Mr. McGee, The Circus Ship, which is a huge favorite of many people, King Hugo's Huge Ego, Randy Riley's Big Hit, Hattie and Hudson, and my two personal favorites, If I Built a House and If I Built a Car. He's also illustrated the Mercy Watson series, written by Kate DiCamillo. He has contributed drawings to magazines, including Nickelodeon, Family Fun, and Disney Adventures. He graduated with a BFA from the University of Massachusetts at Dartmouth, and Chris currently lives in Maine with his wife and children. 
Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this Skype interview with me and also with my four and five-year-old kids here. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be here. Hello. Okay. So we wanted to know, how do you come up with the ideas for all of your books? Start with If I Built a House and If I Built a Car. Tell us more about the inspiration for those books. The inspiration, well, the inspiration for those books was really, it was sort of inspired by Dr. Seuss, who is my, like, my favorite author ever. And Dr. Seuss, there were two books in particular that Dr. Seuss wrote that really inspired this book. And was one was called If I Ran the Zoo and If I Ran the Circus. And in those books, it starts with this boy. I can't remember what the boy's name is, but it starts with him. And he imagines what he would do if he built a circus and all the different acts. And it got kind of crazier and crazier and crazier until at the very end, the last picture is he's back in the same place. And he's sort of, it's all been his imagination. So I kind of use that as the format for these books. But I didn't want to totally copy Dr. Seuss and do about a circus or a zoo. So I started thinking about the things that I really liked when I was a kid, and I really liked cars. If I Built a Car was the first one. And there was this book I used to take out of the library, and it was all about sort of those experimental cars that car companies build to bring around to car shows that never actually go into production, but they're really cool with fins and domes and all this crazy stuff. And so I sort of used that as the basis. And then each page of the book becomes another feature of the car until it builds and builds and builds and builds until it's really, really, really crazy. And then, boom, you're back in the dad's car. So that's really what inspired that. And the house book came. It was sort of the same format. Only that time I decided to have mom, Jack's mom, be the character that he shows in the house. So Awesome. And if I built a school, which I'm working on right now, and it's going to come out this fall. I don't Yay! know. Really going to have to like crank it out. But in that book, it's still Jack, and Jack shows his teacher through the rooms or through the features of this crazy school. Oh, yeah. and are you going to weave in the elements from some of the other books? Like, is he going to show up at school in his car? In the, if I built a car, it, the car is in there. The, the car is in there. there. The uh, let's see, what else is in there? Um, is, is Mr. McGee and his little dog D? Are they going to make an appearance? Stick him in there. I haven't, I haven't put him in yet, but I was just I was just talking to my neighbors. They came over to see some of the illustrations, and I got to put him in there too. He's gonna. I think I got a good place for to put him in there um, because he sort of becomes this Easter egg in all the books where you know kids find him. Have you guys seen Mr. McGee in some of the other books? Yeah, yeah remember remember how he found him on the water and. Hattie and Hudson, right, Sadie? Oh, she's gonna she's getting the book now to show you <laughs> to illustrate. <laughs> Speaking of illustrating, what do you do first when you're writing your books? Do you illustrate? Do you come up with a storyline? Do you start with a drawing and then think this is amazing? Let's make it a book. Well, I could show you actually because I'm actually working on another story right now. This is a good example of how I start a book. Oh, he's showing us how he starts a book, guys. So I always start with a piece of paper that looks like... Sadie is showing you uh, how she found... Mr. McGee. Mr. McGee, and if I built a house. Good job. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Tell us about how you start. So I always start with a piece of paper like this. I'm not sure if you can see it, but it's a piece of paper with rectangles on it. And what it is, it it sort of describes what's going to happen on each page. Huh. And sometimes this is for a potential new Mr. McGee story that I'm working on. I'd like to bring him back for one more adventure. And sometimes when I do that, I will do things like this. I will I will do these little drawings on the page. They're just tiny little thumbnail drawings of what I imagine some of the action might be. And I do this before I even write the story. I just have to figure out what's going to happen on each page. But sometimes I will do little thumbnails before I write the story. So... 
But I have really have to write the story completely before I do the illustration. So usually the manuscript is completely written before I do the final illustrations. And is that the way you did it for the circus ship? Tell us about the circus ship. Yeah, the that, circus I've heard that's based on a true story. That can't be real. Is, was that really actually based I'm on a true story? Okay, go. Yeah, it was loosely based on a true story. There really was a ship carrying a circus that happened back in 1836. I put it in the author's note in the back of the book. But yeah, it was a, a steamship that was carrying a circus from St. John, New Brunswick to Portland, Maine. And it ran into a big storm right off the coast. I live on the coast of Maine, and it was right off the coast of Maine where this ship went down. And actually, the real story, the ship caught fire, which was really traumatic. So I basically kind of took that. I read about it first a long time ago in a magazine, this story. And it must have sort of popped back in my head at one point because I thought it'd be a good story. But I didn't want to tell the actual story because it's really traumatic. It was really scary. And, you know, they think a lot of the animals perished and people actually died in the shipwreck as well. So I basically said, okay, well, what if we totally reimagine the end? What if this, a ship carrying a circus really does sink, but then all the animals swim off and make it to an island off the coast of Maine? Then what would happen? So that's basically what I did. I sort of played the what if card, you know, what if things happen differently? And that's the way I approach that. Yeah. How did you get your start doing children's books? I've read about it on your bio, but tell listeners more about how you got into this and what makes you love it so much. Well, I was I was an illustrator. Uh, I was an art major in college, actually a painting major. I thought I was going to be a, like a, a college painting professor. That was my that was my goal. But I took some illustration courses also in college. And when I got out of school, I still was doing paintings, but I started doing some freelance illustration. And at first it was just small jobs like somebody's business card or a logo for somebody. Or I remember one of the very first jobs I did were swing set instructions for a company, you know, <laughs> so I had all these pieces that I had to figure out how to go together. But eventually, the the more work I got, the more I was able to sort of specialize in what I really wanted to do. And the, the type of illustration I really loved doing were illustrations for kids' magazines because they could be really fun and sort of cartoony and bright colors. And so I was doing a lot of magazine work for, for kids' magazines back in the, like the 80s and 90s. And then an idea from my first book popped in my head. My first book was called Down to the Sea with Mr. McGee. And the idea sort of popped in my head, and that's uh, that's how I really started. I sort of worked on that in my spare time, got it so it really kind of seemed like a book to me, and had some friends who were writers read it, and they thought it was, you know, pretty pretty decent. And and so, um, so it just sort of all went from there. I mean, luckily, I don't know how it happened, but I got the book published. And then after that, that I never looked back. I've been just been doing kids books since then. Wow. And how long does each kids book typically take you? The writing, the painting, and, and you paint, you don't, you don't draw any of it. You paint it. I paint. Yeah. I, all my illustrations are done in a paint called gouache which is G-O-U-A-C-H-E. Gouache is a water-based paint. It's kind of like an opaque watercolor. It's kind of like a thick watercolor. And what I do is, hold on, I'm going to show you. Uh, I don't know if you could, oh, wait, I'm going to pick up the computer here and see if I can show you. So this is a, a big bank of flat files over here, and I got all my robots over here. <laughs> On these, I've got I've got these plastic plates and plastic bags, and all these colors are mixed. And these are all the colors I'm using if I built a school. And I've got them all labeled. So, like, this is the teacher's skin color, and I've got it all labeled and, and numbered so I can just sort of go through. And all I have to do is just add a little water to that paint. It'll just come right back. Wow. So I do all my illustration gouache. But together, to answer your original question, 
a book in general takes about about a year to do that's writing it and illustrating it i did keep track of how long it took me to do the illustrations for if i built a car and it was about nine months but i'm cranking on this one i got to get this one done (laughs) yeah and have you thought about i don't know i probably could have researched have any of your books been optioned i feel like it would be such a fantastic movie or tv show like any of the characters and any of the books honestly they're so visual and you can just like immerse yourself in your world so well well, there has been interest in the circus ship, and it was a pretty famous writer optioned it to turn it into a screenplay. Mm-hmm. So in other words, he bought the rights to turn the story into a screenplay. And I was really excited, and I talked to him a few times, and, and then it just kind of dissolved, and I didn't hear anything. And then the next thing I knew, the rights were re- you know, came back. So, But there's still, there's still some interest in the circus ship. Some people are talking about that. And there's been a little bit of talk about one of my other books for an animated movie. But, I mean, Hollywood is kind of so fickle, you never really know. I mean, you get it really excited, and then nothing happens. But so I kind of – the way I, the way I approach it is – I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. It sounds be like... It would be really fun. It would yeah. be really fun. I yeah. feel like it's such a natural... I'd love to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what about doing some sort of like a pop-up installation? I had this idea where like how great it would be if you could actually build some sort of house resembling your dream house, even though obviously some elements couldn't happen. Like how neat for kids to be... Even if you put it like in a children's museum, to be able to walk through it or design the car or have it just some sort of real-life model of it. Have no, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I was wondering what you meant by that question. So I'm glad you explained that a little bit. There's, I live in Maine and the Children's Museum in Portland, Maine actually surprised me a few years ago. They were going to update their outdoor play area. It's a really nice little museum and they got all sort of interactive things inside, but out and back, it's right in, right in downtown Portland. So they have this little back area and it was an outdoor play area, but it was kind of run down. And so they asked me if I'd come down to the museum because they wanted to propose something. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat 
has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. I had no idea what was going to go on. So I went down and we went into this conference room and they pulled out these sketches and they wanted to turn the outdoor play area to like down to the sea with Mr. McGee. Uh. They went the whole thing. And they showed me all these sketches and what they were going to do. And I, I said, wow, this is, if you guys could do this, this is great. And next thing I know, of like six months later, it opened and it's still there. Uh, they, uh. they, the museum is going to change location. They're building a new museum. So I don't know if that's going to go. But the way it is now, you come out of the museum and you're in Mr. McGee's kitchen. They have these chrome tables out on the deck and little hat, Mr. McGee hats the kids can put on. And then you go down the stairs into the outdoor play area and they have his, you kind of go around a circle. They've got a village. They've got his boat that you can steer. They've got the shipwreck, which is like a big climbing structure. They have these carved whales that spout water. And then right in the middle, sort of the, the centerpiece is an island with a tree. And way up on top, they've built this sculpture that's probably about six feet long of Mr. McGee and his little dog Deke sort of look in the boat looking over. So it's almost like you're walking down and you you're walking right into into the book. It's really cool. That is I so cool. For the new museum, but I don't know if they're gonna move it. So. Oh I hope so. I would like bring my kids up right now. That would be so fun. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So how is it that you get all these joyful colors. Like, is that, was your intention, like, I want to make these as happy and joyful as I can, therefore I'm putting in all these bright colors? Or are you just naturally drawn to those types of colors? Is that what you were doing back in college? Or how how did it come to be? Well, I was using those colors when I was doing the illustrations for the kids' magazines Mm -hmm. because they, you know, they, they were sort of these cartoony illustrations. So they tend to be sort of bright and colorful anyway. But gouache naturally is, I mean, you can get some really beautiful bright colors with gouache. And they really pop out. So my colors were always sort of bright. And certain books are toned down a little bit. Some are brighter than others. Like the circus ship, I think, is a little bit more naturalistic in a way. So those colors are a little bit more muted. So it sort of really depends on the book, too. I mean, if a book is kind of crazy and over the top, like the one I'm working on now, the colors are pretty bright. And they're kind of those 50s and 60s colors, which I like to use, those sort of pastels Mm -hmm. and things like that. But for books like The Circus Ship, which took place back in the 1800s, and it had to be a little bit muted. So those colors are a little bit quieter, a little bit more subtle. It sort of really depends on the story. I mean, you don't want to take a story that's fairly serious. Like, I think Hattie and Hudson is a fairly serious story. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to, like, I mean, the colors are still pretty bright, but I didn't want to just go total gaudy on that. So I really sort of muted that down, too. So the colors primarily are, like, blues and greens sort of capture that feeling of a lake in Maine in the summertime and so so it sort of depends on the story and the the scenes from the 50s and 60s was that from your life or are those all from your imagination like is that the neighborhood where you grew up or is that fictitious all of it 
Well, I did. I did grow up. My parents built a. I was born in 1960, and my parents built a ranch house in 1959. And so I grew up in this house, and I wish I could see it now because it did have boomerang formica, and it had all these like. I think the countertops were aqua boomerang or something. And so I grew up in that era where they were like those colors and those designs and all that sort of retro stuff, which is really popular now. And and I think actually in some of my books that are really sort of really push the retro theme, I think parents and adults like them actually better than, better than kids. <laughs> but, it's, but it's just, it's, it's just because that's the way that I grew up with and that's the stuff I really love. And well, you saw the robots over on the yeah. flat files. I love the <laughs> 50s and 60s inspired stuff. So we, d- yeah. we, we designed our, our little kitchenette here in that same style, the little boomerangs, the blue. That's exactly, I'm just, I'll send you a picture. It's exactly <laughs> that. We want like a smegged round fridge and the whole the whole deal. So maybe that's yeah. why I'm so drawn. <laughs> now they sell new refrigerators that are like aqua. And that's what I have. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. It's like, well, it's, that's, well, I'll show you. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> it's pretty wild. But <laughs> So how does it feel? Like, do you love connecting with the readers of your books? Like, do you like being out and about and like, do you go to schools? Like, is that, is the real life interaction really rewarding to you or are you more happy to sort of, you know, stay at home and release these amazing books and just sort of let it fly by? Like, what's your, what, what gives you the most joy in this process? Well, I, I do a fair amount of travel, especially if a new book comes out and like the, the Mercy Watson book coming out, Candlewick Press, the publisher, is really getting behind it. And so, in April and May, I'm going to do a lot of travel, and into June, I'm going to do a lot of travel for that. So I like that. I mean, it's it's a little t- it's a little tiring actually, mm-hmm. but but it's really kind of fun to go back out. In general, what I do is very solitary. I mean, I just basically sit in this back studio and, and attached to my house, and I just work all day long. So school visits are a way to sort of go out and and see why you do what you do anyway. And when you're in front of a group of uh, third graders or something and you show them your books and you pull out, uh, I don't know, you know, Randy Riley's really big hit and they go crazy and they say, oh, we know that book or Mr. McGee books or something. I mean, it's just a way to sort of go, oh, yeah, this is this is why I sit back there and work till late at the night. (laughs) (laughs) to get these things done. But yeah, it's nice to reconnect with the, with your audience every now and then. So, um, so I like, I like both parts, but if I'm under a deadline, a lot of times I just can't, I just can't take the time to go out and go on the road. So I really just have to crank away to, to meet a deadline. And then, like I said, when a new book comes out, a lot of times then I'll go out and I'll either go to bookstores, promote the book, or I'll go uh, start doing school visits and things like that. So you have the new Mercy, little baby Mercy book coming out, which is yeah. really exciting. If I built a school, yeah. perhaps a new Mr. McGee book. Anything else? Secret plans? The Mr. McGee book would be way, way in the future. That's still in the th- process. There is another book coming out. Um I did a book with Balzer and Bray, which is a division of HarperCollins, that I did not write. Lisa Wheeler wrote it, and it's called Even Monsters Need to Sleep. I don't know if you've seen that. It came out in, came out the same year as Hattie and Hudson. So what was that, a couple of years ago, 2017? 2017. And it was like a going-to-bedtime book, but it featured monsters and, and, and the different places where they sleep. It was really fun to illustrate. But that was a two-book deal. So the second one was called Even Monsters Go to School, mm. which is kind of funny because I'm doing another school book. Oh, yeah, here it is. So this is the, these are the F and Gs for it. This is the, like, 
and it features this little this little character here that I came up with, and all the all the different places where monsters go to school. So this is coming out in June. Can so I, I'll can have, I take a picture of this? Sure. Here's tomorrow. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Thanks. So it's just kind of a you know it, t- it talks about different monsters and where they go to school. Let me see if I oh I'll show you one of my favorites. It's actually where the aliens go to school. So for for listeners, he's holding up a book. Well, on the cover was a little purple monster about to board a school bus, like waving goodbye. Well, oh, not a purple, well, kind of a bluish purple yeah. monster with a purple backpack and all these all these other monsters. And looks like perhaps one regular kid on the bus. In the school, yeah. In the school bus. And, uh, yeah, are, those are all the characters. go to school, yeah. And so it starts, the story starts with this little monster, and it's sort of clear from the illustrations that She's a little reluctant to go off to school, and her dad, her dad makes her breakfast, and he's there, and he starts telling her a story about different monsters and where they go to school, and and that's what starts the story. It talks about how Bigfoot goes off and loves riding in the in the bus, and it just then there's uh, Frankenstein has uh, new sneakers, and uh, it just. It's just kind of a silly thing, but it was it was fun to illustrate. So that's coming out in June. So I got the Piglet Named Mercy by KT Camilla. That's in April. Even Monsters Go to School, that's in June. And then If I Built a School, which right now they're saying is going to come out in, I think, August. So I've got to keep cranking and see if I get <laughs> – they're going to – they're actually going to uh, – that's with Dial, and they're going to – print the book in the United States to save time. So yeah, it's really tight, but we'll see if I can do it. Excellent. Yeah. And do you ever, do you ever sell the illustrations either? Do you ever do commissions for people? Like do people ever say, Hey, would you, I don't know, paint this for me or my family? Or do you sell any of the illustrations from your books? Or is that like an ancillary revenue stream for you or anything? Or I haven't yet sold the, the illustrations from my books that I've written just because they're, there's just so I mean, once they're gone, they're gone. And so I hang on to them. I got them all stored in these boxes in my studio. I do on my website sell prints of my of some of my illustrations because a lot of times, you know, parents will want to buy like a certain picture from the circus ship or whatever and put it up in their kids' rooms. So those are for sale on the website. And also on that same tab on the website is some of the original illustrations from the first Mercy Watson series because I have I don't know, I had like 300 paintings just sitting around. And I said, well, I don't really need to hold on to these. So I do sell those. And those are the originals. Those are the original paintings. So those are for sale. But as far as my illustrations, my books, I haven't sold those yet. Uh, they're just available in print form. And I do sometimes get people to ask me if the, if I do commission work, like they'll want me to do a Christmas card or something for them. And for the most part, I just, I can't because my schedule is so busy. But yeah. so I, I rarely do commissioned work. It's mostly just books. And it sounds like you pick and choose which authors, aside from the books you write yourself, that you want to work with and will illustrate their books, right? Just so you could only do that sparingly because of yeah, time, yeah. I guess. Same thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I love, you know, I, I, I got paired up with Katie Camillo in the first Mercy Watson series. And it was such a, just a, you know, so wonderful to be connected with her. And so, and, and luckily it's very nice that she's kept that series going with different, you know, the spinoff series and now this picture book. So coming up, I do have several more of the Tales from Deku Drive series, which is like this, the second series that she wrote. So I've got to, let's see, I think I have three of those to do. So, and then I've got another, geez, well, let's see. And I've got another book under contract with Candlewick, a book I wrote, 
but that's probably not until, <laughs> I don't know, I'm thinking like several years out at this point because it takes so long to, for me to do the work, so. I feel bad now taking up this half an hour with you. No, you no, have so no, much no, to no, do. No. I'm like feeling stressed out for you. Like, go, go, yeah. go. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that I mean, that's really it. I just wanted to like get a sense of of how your where this genius of yours comes from because honestly, I my kids and I, I've been reading these books. My older kids are, are almost 12 and I think my older daughter would kill me if I didn't tell you how much she loved the Mercy Watson illustrations. That was like all she read for a year straight. And the little guys and my older son, everybody, we all just love your your work. And it's been just so exciting to even get to talk to you about it and see all the little snippets from what's to come in the outline. So I just really want to thank you for your time and for really delighting so many kids. I can't tell you how many parents were beyond thrilled that I was interviewing you. And so anyway, you have a huge fan base here. So if your travels take you to New York City, let me know and we can do yeah. do some event or something fun. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I wish I could have come down for it. I just, I just couldn't fit into my schedule right now. But yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, anytime. But no, thanks for <laughs> take, taking the time and interviewing me. I really appreciate it. Of course. All right. Well, we'll love to stay in touch and can't wait to see your books. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Susie. All right. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Bye. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Serial Box. S e r i a l b o x dot com. Serialbox dot com, delivering addictive book content in short listen or read installments. Thanks to Ryan and Steve at Texture Sound for the audio editing and mixing. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.